0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Okay, I just want to share something really quick with you guys, something uh, that the Lord shared with me. I spoke in Romania, but I want to share it with you, and uh, a stirring um, that's in my heart. The Lord spoke some things personally. He, he lovingly rebuked me, and so I'm going to de- declare something over you guys as we get started. And I'm going to ask you to come in agreement with me. As the Lord told me, he said, Andy, you take your hands off this church. Your only job is to love me, to love them, and equip them. So I want you guys to close your eyes, and I want you to raise your hands right now. And you're going to help this pastor out, okay? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, every gift, every gift, every calling that sits in this room... Lord, you know how to meet it with the need. In the name of Jesus, I just release this church to move in their gifts. And I release them to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. To do it, they are released to go and to do, to go and to do. To bring the fulfillment of their calling to the surface so that it brings joy to your heart and joy to their heart. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that Freedom Christian Fellowship is turned a corner in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay, so let's, uh, let's just get into the word really quick. I don't have a lot to share with you this morning, but turn to Ephesians 6. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare <laughs> because it's such a fun topic. <laughs> Come on, y'all smile a little bit on that. All right. I realize something in Romania is that um, there's a few things that we need to catch up on. In the church in America, and freedom, you're very good at this. You, that God is—I really believe this—that um, uh, that we need to catch up in prayer, and we need to catch up in prayer. That we need to really begin to seriously take um, this I, this truth of prayer and make it a reality in our lives, make it a reality in our church. That we need to pray. We need to pray for revival. That song we sang, why we got so excited, because it's the truth. You know, uh, Psalms chapter 2 says this. One part of it says, And I will declare of the Lord that the nations of this earth are your inheritance. And it's a messianic psalm. It refers to Jesus. Before that scripture, before that verse in particular, it says, Today you are my son and I am your father. And it speaks of Jesus. And what it's saying is this is that the nations of the earth are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. And so revival is not a far-fetched thing. Revival, turning a culture, is not a far-fetched thing, but it will not happen without prayer. It will not happen without prayer. Because prayer will spawn obedience. Prayer will spawn us to think differently. Prayer will spawn us to begin to worship differently. Okay? And so we have to take that seriously. Um... And understand that it's one of the things that God has called us to. Alright, so in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to just jump down into verse 14, because I want to talk to you about the belt of truth, alright? It says this in verse 14, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, I'm only going to talk about the belt of truth today, And I wondered, as I was reading this, that why is the belt the first piece of armor? You know, if I, if I was, uh, we, got, we got a chance to go to Salzburg, Austria, and we toured a castle, and we saw all these different uh, pieces of armor, and for the life of me, I didn't see one belt. I didn't see one belt. I saw these big, you know, breastplates. I saw shoulder pads, arms chain mail that drooped down and had lots of helmets, you know, big old swords, two-handed broadswords. I mean, all these like manly, I saw even shin guards. I mean, you know, I don't know why, but they had shin guards. But I didn't see a belt. And I really started to wonder, I said, Lord, you know, what's, what is this picture of the belt? And I want to tell you what the Lord spoke to me because Again, this picture of truth is something that unfolds. As we let the Holy Spirit speak to us, it begins to unfold in our heart. Now, I want to step back for just a second, and I want to talk to you about the nature of spiritual warfare um, in, in, in just a little bit. Because before this, Paul writes and he says, Listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places. And just in a nutshell, what Paul is saying is this, is that there is a structure, an order, a demonic order that exists that has a measure of authority. Now, that shouldn't scare any of you or surprise any of you. And there are three things that we wrestle against when it comes to spiritual warfare. Only three things. You are either going to wrestle against the world, you're going to wrestle against your own flesh, or there may be a time... Or an instance that you wrestle against the devil. But you're only going to wrestle against those three things. The world, your flesh, or the devil. Romans 12 tells us about the world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what is that pattern of the world? Well, we understand it. Anybody who goes to work or, or gets in a car, you kind of get this. You get the pattern. It's what we call maybe the dog-eat-dog thing, right? But all of these things, both the world, the flesh, and the devil, all tie in together. They all have a cause and effect, if you will. And the key of our spiritual warfare, of how we overcome the pattern of the world, is to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, which means that we need to understand and know and have revelation of the promises of God on a daily basis, not just one and done. It can't be up here. It has to be in here. As a matter of fact, what you see about the belt of truth, literally what this word means, it's God's truth subjectively, meaning not objectively, not based on like the truth that the sun comes up in the morning, but subjectively, according to your life, lived out. Let me explain that. It's when we take the truth of what God says and we measure it up against every situation we are walking in, whether they are high or they are low, and we choose to live God's truth. That's what the belt of truth means. And so we see the pattern of the world, but then we also see the flesh, and the flesh is the way we respond and oftentimes, it's the way we respond to the pattern of this world. Let me just make a silly illustration that falls pitifully short. But somebody cuts you off, what's your response? All right. That's your flesh, friends. That's not the devil. The devil did not make you do that. That was your flesh. And the Bible's very clear about the flesh there's only one way to kill the flesh, and it must be crucified. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? The flesh is dead. And so when that ugly flesh head pops up, we say, Jesus, I am sorry. I responded according to my flesh and not according to the spirit. And I ask you to please forgive me and help me to crucify that. Let my responses be measured in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, and not according to the flesh. But there's a third part, and that's the devil. And there are times, and we don't talk about this enough, and we should not be afraid of it, we are not afraid of it, because the devil is not greater then Jesus Christ in you, or his authority in this world. I have to say that because there's people that get nervous when I use the D word. And when the, the, the spiritual warfare concerning the devil comes up, it pops up in several different ways, and it pops up in the area of strongholds, oppression, or demonization. What took place in El Paso in Ohio this morning was the work of the devil. Maybe there's a political uh, conversation that does not need to happen here but needs to happen. But what took place was demonic. Why? Because the scripture tells us very clearly the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is no side objective. He has one objective. And strongholds come into our life when we choose first to believe in a lie that opposes the truth of God. Now, let me be very clear. Let me be perfectly clear. I believe this firmly, that no believer who confesses Jesus Christ can be possessed by the devil, but you can absolutely be harassed and demonicized. And what takes place in that situation is where you come into habits and no matter how much counseling you go to, no matter how much repenting you go through, no matter what you do, you seem to go around this mountain and get hit every time you go around. It has affected the truth of what you believe concerning how God feels about you and how you interact with others. And that is the objective of the enemy when the objective of the devil to sideline you because he cannot replace the truth of Jesus is that he wants to get you to believe in a lie. That's what a stronghold is. That's what a stronghold is. That's what the scripture tells us, that the weapons that we, of our warfare are not carnal in nature, but are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Right? And so there is something that needs to take place. There is deliverance that needs to take place. Now let's go to the belt of truth. And this is why I believe that Paul, the Holy Spirit, chose to have Paul write this first, Because what we read here in Ephesians uh, 6.14 is this. Is that we have the belt of truth and then immediately we have the breastplate of righteousness. But this is what I found. This is what I believe the Lord spoke to me in my own life. And maybe this applies to some of you here is that we understand about righteousness because righteousness is the imputed value that Jesus puts on us. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us beloved. He calls us his. He calls us the elect. He calls us justified. He calls us overcomers. That is righteousness. And it covers your heart and it forms your identity. But friends, without truth, The truth of God, I have witnessed over and over again in my life and in other people's life that if the truth of God is not in place, then the righteousness of God can be compromised. A lot of times what happens is we say, yes, I know that I'm the righteousness of God, but when I sin, that righteousness goes away because I'm no longer good enough. And what the conflict is, is not the truth of righteousness, but it is the absence of the belt of truth. And this is why I believe Paul writes this first. His truth must be present. So let's talk about this for just a second. What is truth? More importantly, the better question we have to ask ourselves is what is God's truth? Truth cannot be defined through what we understand through our experiences. When it comes to our spiritual warfare and our spiritual identity, it must be based upon God. Upon his character, upon his promises, upon his covenant. It is not relative truth. Again, not subject to the situations or the experiences of your life. God's truth does not change. His truth does not change. Now, why is that important? Why is that significant? Because when we're challenged with these lies from the enemy that said, when we fail, God stops loving us. Oh, what a lie. What a, what a divisive lie. People don't like me. God must not like me. What a lie. What a lie. God's truth doesn't change. So when he calls you accepted, when he calls you loved, when he calls you friend, when he calls you son or daughter, it does not change. Change. Hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. And because it does not change, and because it is not relative but absolute, therefore it is perfect and has the ability to perfect us wholly. This is what we need. We need God's truth. We We need God's truth. All right. So what does it mean, again, to put on the belt of truth? Let me say this one more time, because this is what this literally means. Is that there is a merger of God's truth, his absolute perfect, non-changing truth. As, we, as the Holy Spirit makes that alive inside of us, what we do is we put it on around us. It begins to rule our mind. And it is displayed in our character. How do you know what you believe to be true? How do you know what you believe to be true? What you live is what you believe to be true. Did you see that? What you live, what you profess, what you do is what you believe to be true. And when you look at this word, truth, in the Bible, in the original language, this is what you understand. And this is what God desires to do is to take his truth, to replace our truth, to clean wrong truth out. The things that we believe that were wrong about who we are, about how we feel about God that are wrong. To clean those things out, to put the truth of who he is that is unchanging, that is absolute, that is perfect, that has the ability to transform us. Put it around us in such a way that it controls what we believe to be true in this world and it directs our Steps, It directs our steps. You can say what you believe to be true all day long, but if you are not living it, if it is not displayed in your life, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. If you say God's going to provide, but you're crumpled up in worry, you don't believe God provides. <laughs> Oh, hey, all right. Y'all, y'all relax a little bit because I know I'm provoking some things. I'm going to tell some stories on me, okay? So you guys just... So I want to tell y'all, thank you guys for your prayers in Romania because um, I've been very open about my um, issue with uh, anxiety and the things that I fought with. And I want to tell you that I had no anxiety. I had perfect peace and perfect joy. I'm not joking. I brought, my wife told me not to, but I did anyways, because it's like my last little crutch that God finally said, you're, you're an idiot, get rid of it, and I said, all right, he didn't call me an idiot, but I knew I was being an idiot, and he said, stop being, not trusting me. You guys understand when I'm joking, I, I, I shouldn't say that about God, he didn't call me an idiot, but I brought my blood pressure cuff with me, because that's what I do, I, my doctor said, check your blood pressure every day, like I'm gonna do something about my blood pressure in Romania. I'm in a little village. <laughs> my time to go. I'm out. Right. <laughs> this is the way it is. And so I was sitting on my bed, and my friend Michael Galt, some of you know him, was with me, and he was so, he's a good friend, man. Love that guy. And he would be like, "You okay? Yeah, man. I'm great. I'm really great. My blood pressure was like better than normal. Like I was running marathons, great. You know? Like come on." And one day I was sitting in our our room, and I was taking it and. We had had a room, Michael and I were staying, and then there was a bathroom in another conjoined room, and there was doors that opened up, and I could see in this other room, well, there was this guy, a translator who came with us, and a a dear brother now who I love. His name's Alex. He's Romanian. And he walked in. He was staying in that side room, and he walked in, and he saw me as I'm sitting on my bed. I had the blood blood pressure cuff on my arm, and I was like, oh, I just got busted. And he walks over, and he goes... Are you okay? <laughs> That's my bad Romanian accent. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I kind of quickly took it off because I was embarrassed. I took it off. And he said, yeah, man. I said, look, this is a situation. I explained it all to him. He goes, oh, no. Let us pray. I said, you bet you're going to pray. Let's pray. And I'm going to tell you something. When he laid hands on me, the power of God it smoothed me out. I said, Andy, you stop worrying about this because there is nothing you can do about it. I said, I told Michael later, I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I packed my blood pressure cuff up, threw it in my bag. I didn't touch it again the rest of the trip. I said, no, listen. Okay, why am I telling you that story? Because here's the thing is that what we believe has to be displayed in what we do. God, you're my healer. You're my sustainer. You called me to do this, right? So I can't hinge on these other things. And so we need to be empowered. Okay, so let's, let's, let's kind of boil this down. Let's, let's get to this, all right? all right. I want to read this chunk of scripture to you guys. So just open your Bibles, make notes, just highlight this in your, in your, your app, however you do it. Ephesians 1. I want to talk to, you, talk to you just very quickly about why truth is important. This is what truth does. All right, and then we're just going to wrap this up. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to just knock some strongholds, do some deliverance, all right? Nothing, nothing scary. (laughs) All right. Oh, come on, church. No, we just, 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 it's good, man. So good. God is so good. Ephesians 1. Starting verse 3. All right, here we go. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as His mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in this present age but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. Amen. Okay. a couple things I want to say Uh, first is that I want to encourage you to mark down your Bible to read that regularly. That is a powerful prayer. And here's what we see. And we see Paul even mention this. That this came through the message of truth, which is the gospel of salvation. Now, a lot of times when we think about salvation, we think and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And that's absolutely correct. But salvation is the ongoing work of sanctification. And this is where truth comes in. And this is why we need the belt of truth and what the belt of truth does. The first thing that we see that we mentioned before is it connects us into our righteousness And this word righteousness is our identity, the virtue of God in us. We see this in verse four and five. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. You were chosen to be in Jesus Christ before the creation of the world. Think about that for just a minute. Meditate, ponder on that. Ponder on the power of that selection. That God chose you before the creation of the world. That means this, that before he spoke, the sky, the the, the oceans, the ground, the mountains, I got to see the Alps, they're magnificent. Before he spoke the Alps into existence, he chose you to be in him. What does that say about you? What does that say about who you are? What does that say about the love the Father has for you? To be holy and blameless in His sight and love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ according to His pleasure and His will. What if I were to tell you that part of the understanding of righteousness comes not from the fact of what you used to be. And that's kind of the way we think about that. That I used to be a wretched sinner. And yeah, you were, so was I. We were all saved by grace. But what if we understood righteousness from this perspective that before God ever created any of the majesty of this earth, He chose you and I to come into Him. And why? And why? Because He simply took pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in you. That has to reshape your identity. That has to reshape your identity. I don't love my kids because of what they do. I don't even love my kids less because of the dumb stuff they do. I love my kids because they're my kids. That while my wife had them in her womb... I dreamt for them, and I prayed for them, and I cried over them, and I loved them with the full magnitude that I love them with today. That if it ever came down to it, it would be my life instead of theirs. And that formed the whole formation of my love, and my love as a father falls pitifully short compared to the magnitude of the love of our Heavenly Father. Oh, it has to reshape our identity You're loved, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're free, you're healed. Oh, you're an overcomer. The next thing that truth does is it stabilizes us. In verse 17, we read this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you may know him better. And these two words, wisdom and revelation, speak of stability and what truth does in our life and why God wants to do it. And even why we can even feel like when we picture this, we picture it around our waist and we understand, according to science now today, that this is where our stability lies. It lies in this area. Matter of fact, when they train, Athletes now today, they train them more in their core area than they do with their bench press. When they're squat, why? Because they understand their ability to make movements, to adjust, whether it's football or baseball, to cut, to be hit, and to respond, all stems from their core. And what the truth of God does is it stabilizes us in an unstable world. And the way that it does that is through the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We have been called to grow in the wisdom and the revelation of God. Why? Because the truth of God is, gonna, is what will set us free, but it comes through the revelation of His love through for us. See, God does... Listen, your children don't care how much you know, right? Y'all know this one, right? Until they know how much you what? Care. And this is why Paul writes says, wisdom and revelation. We need wisdom. We need to know which way to go, what to do, how to respond, all these things. But you got to know that the one who is telling you to turn left, right, go forward, stop, shut your mouth, open your mouth, loves you. He loves you. It stabilizes you. Stabilizes you. We live in an unstable world. I wept in my office this morning when I read about the last mass shooting. And I said, God, why am I crying? I really did. And I felt like the Lord said, because I'm crying too. We live in an unstable world. And the truth of God needs to stabilize us. All right, all right. Come on, you guys are like, Luby's is calling my name. All right. All right, truth speaks about the future plans God has for us. Verse 18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. We already dealt with this. You guys are called and empowered to do the work of God. Go for it. But you've got to do it in the truth of God. <clears throat> All right, just one touch on this. <clears throat> you don't do this in the inadequacy of how you feel. You don't pursue a calling with God because you lack something in your life. When God calls you, He doesn't call you out of your inadequacy, He calls you out of His abundance. He empowers you out of His abundance, not out of your need. When God calls you and equips you, it may be something that you feel or a need that God has met in you, but it is not a response to a shortcoming in your life. It is a response to the abundance of God in you. Okay? And then finally, truth defeats the lies of the enemy, and this is what I I love right here. This is why we need to have this, and this is why deliverance is so important. Verse 19, 20, and 21. It says, that power is the same as his mighty strength when he exerted, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. Now, here's what you need to understand just very quickly about this, because this is what we call an all-encompassing authority that we see here in Jesus. It is the same thing that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, that hierarchy of demonic structure when man sinned and, 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 and the devil fell from heaven and how he occupies this. That is a limited term. That is a limited term. And the enemy understands that there is only so much time he has to wreak havoc and destruction and death on the earth. And then there will be a day when that comes to an end. You understand that, right? Per, per the Bible. That there's going to be a time where Jesus returns, there's a millennial reign, a thousand-year reign where Jesus rules and reigns on earth, and then after the final destruction, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, all right? So you understand, so when Paul writes this here in Ephesians 1, here's what he's saying, is that Jesus' authority in you and Jesus isn't just limited to this age, but in the age to come, too. You're going to rule and reign with Jesus, all right? All right, so that's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in that. We'll come back to it another day. But here's what you need to understand. Is that this authority that we have in Jesus defeats the lies of the enemy. And there are times that we have to allow that work to fully take place. The other day, Again, I'm just going to use examples from me. Are you all right, with that? Literally the other day, 48 hours ago, I was playing a game with some people. Nah, this isn't funny. And a, somebody I love, like a brother and a son, we were playing against each other, and my competitive flesh rose up. I'm telling you, this is not funny. I really would appreciate y'all stop laughing because it hurt my heart. (laughs) Wow. And I responded in my flesh. I was quick. I was sharp. I was fierce. I did. And I felt justified in it. My wife looked at me and said, you're bad. She gave me that look like you better straighten your crap up or... I said don't talk to me like that woman please I literally did say that but I said please I said please don't stop I don't want to know that I'm wrong right now I got done and we hugged and me and this guy we hugged and he came and he hugged me he loved me I loved him back the Lord said you're not done I said oh so I sent him a message and I said I want you to know something What I did was embarrassing, one, flesh. What I did was sinful, flesh. What I did hurt you. It broke unity. I am sorry. I need you to please forgive me. I need you to please understand that what I did was wrong. And I repent both to you and to God. I am sorry. I love you way more than any stupid game, right? And you know what I felt like for about 12 hours that whole night? Is I felt like a worthless piece of garbage. I felt like junk. I said, how in the world am I going to even begin to talk about deliverance if, if like this is like in me? I said, Lord, what is going on? And I just heard the Lord said, Andy, you need to put this under the blood of Jesus. And you need to crucify your flesh. And you need to grow. You need to break this and let me break this in the name of Jesus. And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If I don't ever put myself in a competitive situation again, I won't. I'm good. I'm good. Good. Here's what I'm saying is that, guys, listen, I know that sounds silly, right? But I'm telling you right now. there are little things that pop up. And this is the nature of spiritual warfare that the enemy tries to stir and to circulate, to get us to bite on the lies. Oh, I'm justified feeling that way. I'm justified believing that. And before you know it, if you don't let the Holy Spirit deal with it, it will become a stronghold. And that stronghold, excuse me, will handicap your calling. It will handicap your calling. It won't keep you out of heaven. It won't. But it will handicap your calling. And it will torment you. And all we need to do is say, I surrender to you, Jesus. There's only so many steps it takes for total deliverance. It's very easy. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I give you authority to break every lie, to heal every hurt, to deal with every wound. But also, I apologize and I repent to you for believing this to be true. But Holy Spirit, would you come in and bring your deliverance and your healing over me? Would you help me to crucify my flesh? Would you help me to respond the way that you have called me to? Would you break this lie inside of me? And would you replace it with the truth of what you said that I would understand? What you say to be true about me is true. I am what you say I am. Would you bring your healing? Amen. 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 All right. I want to pray for you guys. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. God is so good. He is so good. He's so good. And he wants us to be free. All right. Let's just bow our heads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Okay Father we just thank you right now Just with every head bowed and every eye closed mm. We're going to start slow today okay Because we're going to walk more in this But this morning, if you are dealing with an area of your life, and again, everybody's heads are bowed and everybody's eyes are closed. There's a tremendous amount of grace. There's not one, uh, well, I, I won't say that, but I know that for one. I've been in, I've been in this place where there has been a stronghold, a lie of the enemy we, we believe with. You feel like you are being harassed by the devil, All right. again, The devil is defeated. But if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. thanks, all over. Put them down. I'm not going to ask you to come up. You're just going to stay right where you are. And there's just going to be deliverance that's going to hit you. Just in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We know that you're here. Now, every person... First, we say this, Jesus, that your precious, precious blood that flowed from Calvary's cross flows through us. We confess you as Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior of our lives. And just right where you are, in your heart, with your mouth, say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. There's not a lie that rules over me. There's not a lie of the enemy. There's not an experience or a pain that is greater than the revelation of your Lordship and your love in my life. Now, Father, we repent for trusting in a lie or trusting in a hurt more than trusting in your healing and trusting in your truth. We repent. We repent. We agreed with that and we repent. So, Jesus, you come now and you cleanse us, you cleanse us, you cleanse us, because your word says that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We admit we had a part to play. That may be difficult for some of you that said, look, I didn't have anything to do with this. This happened to me. This happened to me. And let me tell you how the deliverance and the healing of God works is that because the enemy doesn't have authority in your life, you have to agree with it. You have to agree with that hurt. Even though you didn't cause it, you didn't do it, you have to agree with it. And so, Lord, we confess that. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in and you begin to break every lie and the strongholds that are built around those lies in the name of Jesus. And we speak the greater truth, God, of what you say and what is true and what is absolute, what is unchanging and what is perfect over us. I declare right now the healing of God over every wound. I declare the destruction of every bit of insignificance and insecurity in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I break the lie of hopelessness, of suicide, of death. In the name of Jesus. We bind every demonic spirit and we command it to be silenced and dismissed in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, let your healing and your blood come and cover every person. Let the truth. Of what you speak and what you say, Jesus, be the truth that guides us and heals us. No longer will those lies torment any person here. No longer will those lies have any authority over any person here. But the truth, Father, of what you declare and what you say over us will hold us fast and stabilize us and cause us to walk and to see differently. I thank you for the spirit of adoption, that it is your pleasure and your will, God, that you call us sons and daughters. I thank you, God, for the plans and the love that you had for us before you created the world. And Father, it's almost as if you created this world for our pleasure. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. So I just speak the hope of Jesus over every heart. I speak the future in the calling of Jesus Christ that the gifts of God would come forth, Lord, in every heart. Lord, I speak, Father God, just life and joy. Lord, where anxiety has rested before, anxiety is broken and joy is coming. I thank you for your mercies and your goodness flooding every heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? All right. Freedom, I'm going to ask some things of you that in the coming months that we're going to dig more into this. And there's a couple of shifts that are happening. And I know here you got your pastor back from a uh, world tour uh, Romania and Europe. And I'm, I'm coming in with a lot of energy. And I understand that. But here's the thing is that... um. Sometimes when we all need this, we need to separate ourselves from some of the things where we can't see correctly. And I want to tell you, and I want to thank you for just, I thank Pastor Spud and my friend Chad, Pastor Chad. I love that guy. I love Pastor Spud too. The guys are great. I want to thank you for letting me go on this trip because there are some things that God spoke to me about this church that are going to just... uh, And bless you guys. I'm going to bless you guys. And so let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's let our hearts be filled with hope. Let the calling of God flourish in you. Let the freedom of God and the deliverance of God flourish in us because it is for freedom that He has set us free, no longer to be slaves in captivity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I just declare your goodness over every heart, over every mind. Father, I thank you for marriages, Lord that you're healing marriages lord even where there's been deep wounds god that you're healing them supernaturally i just 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 speak a hedge of protection around marriages oh lord just heal them lord cause intimacy and communication to flow forgiveness to flow lord there be a change of heart supernaturally god oh nothing is impossible for you god i thank you for that lord Lord, I just just over-significance, God, also. Oh, God, there is no unlovely part of the body. Oh, thank you, Father, and let significance just begin to flow in the name of Jesus. The value, the value, Lord, of heaven, Lord, begin to just be bestowed upon every heart and every mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your grace and your mercy. Over every person, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you just love somebody as you are leaving today. I love you so much. See y'all next week.